From the mountains of Utah to the Sea of Cortez, we bid you good bidding on Sunday School Bonanza, brought to you by This Week in Mormons. I just try to do my Lloyd Newell. That's inspired by the Tabernacle Choir. You're getting there, man. You're Isn't that what there. he says? What does he say? From, from the prairies of Zion to <laughs> your grandmother's backyard in Ohio. I don't know what he says. Everybody. Hey, everybody. Ohio's pretty terrible, so that's okay. <laughs> anyway, Sunday School Bonanza. Here, bring you Gospel Doctrine. Make it happen. Thank you very, very much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, tell us how we're doing, of course. Shoot us an email. Contact at thisweekinmormons.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, make sure that we're giving you the service that you need. I think that's great. That man laughing is none other than the Aryan hero himself, Dustin Homer. Hi. Hello, everyone. I can call him that because he he looks like, like he's Scandinavian. I'm pale. Well, now that you're pale, you're just very naturally blonde. And There's no dirtiness to your blonde. You're just blonde. I'm pure blonde. Pure? Let's be careful with these Aryan pure references. Blonde. Pure blonde. Yeah, okay, yeah. there we go. All right, well, maybe. All right, moving right along. This week's lesson, lesson 41, every member a missionary. Awesome stuff here. Really I love awesome. I love talking about missionary work. It pumps pretty, me up. I'm pretty stoked about this lesson. Now, I'm going to give you a little nugget of uh, trivia fun that you can use, okay? Now, it suggests for the attention activity that a teacher do the following thing. Now, if you walk into a class and you see a number of countries written on the board, such as <clears throat> England, Tahiti, Australia, Iceland, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, Tonga, Turkey, Mexico, Czechoslovakia, China, Samoa, New Zealand, South America, France, and Hawaii... If you see these on the board, this is the question that's coming your way. So this is a spoiler. Which of these areas do you think were visited by missionaries in the first 20 years after the church was organized? Dustin? All of them? Yes. The correct answer actually is all of them. So now you know. Now, if you really want to be a stickler, the first 20 years after the church's organization, you're talking 1830 to 1850, the following countries did not actually exist. Tahiti is not actually a country. Germany didn't exist. Uh, Czechoslovakia didn't exist. You know, you can you can play around a lot and really just drill your teacher and say, actually, it was called Prussia. And I'm going to highly recommend that you decide not to be that guy. No, no, be that guy. Raise your hand and say, yeah, let's actually, I believe Czechoslovakia at the time was part of Austria-Hungary, remember the Habsburg dynasty. Am I not? Am I not correct? And then the Sunday school lesson is dead, and you might as well. There go are home. two people shaking their faces at me right now. Go to Denny's if you're going to say See, that. See, my wife sometimes sits in the room while we record, and I look at her for approbation. Or no, not in this case. So let's talk about missionary work. Love it. Uh, what does it say, of course, in section 1, verse 30? It's a great verse. It says, And also those to whom these commandments were given might have power to lay forth the foundation of his church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, with which I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively and not individually. Now, we're talking here about the church coming out of obscurity. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this manual is already reasonably dated. I'm not sure when the last time is that they updated them, like what, late 80s or something like that. But uh, very much more out of obscurity nowadays. I mean, we had the whole Mormon, so-called Mormon moment over the past couple of years associated largely with the Mitt Romney campaign, uh, Book of Mormon musical, whatever it is, Mormonism has been a bigger part of the zeitgeist, I would say, Agreed. than in any time I can remember in my life. I mean, when BuzzFeed makes lists of like, 12 signs that you're in Deseret Book. That actually happened. I'm serious. <laughs> you know that we're here to stay. So, uh, And our membership is growing, right? Like like we have significant portions of population. 15 million now. Places, yeah, so. President Monson told us in the last conference. Yeah. yeah. 15 million. That's a real presence. But one thing I do love is the standard of truth. Uh, anyone who served a mission, a full-time mission, 
knows this. And if you don't know it, you should know it, because it's just one of those things we say in the church. Uh, No unhallowed hand. It starts off a little bit with some other stuff before that. But then he says, no unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage. Mobs may combine. Armies may assemble. Calumny may defame, but the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly, and independent till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear till the purposes of God shall be accomplished and the great Jehovah shall say the work is done. So there's your charge, ladies and gentlemen. And you either pick it up or you don't. I don't believe the church is going on. I don't believe the Lord. I don't believe the Lord has said the work is done yet. Absolutely not not. to my understanding. So. I love this. No. And and he gets and that's and that's what it leads into, right? And the lesson leads into is the point that we've been challenged to take the gospel to all the world. And we know that, right? And this is a lesson and I, and this is a lesson honestly that can be a lot of talking about things we've already talked about. It right? could easily be a very rote. This lesson. could be a very rote lesson. I hope that this is a discussion about how me and you and all of us actually do something about yeah. it. Because this is an awesome opportunity to talk about taking the gospel to the world and, and doing it right now. Today. And honestly, if you are the are the cool person who can be frank about your feelings in a lesson, that can be do so much to uh, to just change the direction of the course of it. So rather than having, you know, seminary answers as we call them, you could be frank and say, you know what, I suck at this. You know, I've struggled with this and that. And you'll find that other people will say, yeah, this is hard for me too. And like Dustin was saying, you might actually get into some real meat about how to make stuff better. And I hope you do because, you know, this and, and then in the next section, I mean, talk about that point every member a missionary, right? So we can start out with that powerful yet often used phrase, every member a missionary. Okay. Am I a missionary? Are you a missionary? Well, President David O. McKay said that every member is a missionary. Right. But I mean, like, like really, I'm not a very good missionary anymore. I know. I used to be a full-time missionary. I think I was pretty good at it. Isn't it funny how much we can just, I don't want to say crash, but how <laughs> easy it is to be a missionary when you're a full-time missionary? I don't know if that's because of fish out of water scenario, you know, out of your, you know, just, it's like its own little, you know, bubbly world or cause you have the mantle, but it's just so different. You feel like on my mission, I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to testify like a rock star. I'm going to be all up in everybody's business. Nope. Just cinched right up and just never said a word, just quietly went to school and didn't do anything. It's <laughs> just, it's funny how hard it can get to be uh, an actual member missionary and open your mouth. Yeah. It really is. I totally agree. But at the same time, I think we make it too tough. And so I'm just, I mean, we'll get into this. We talk about it a little bit. But one of the things, and one of the really cool things that it comes out in that section that President Kimball asked us to do was that church members would pray that the doors of nations would be open for the preaching of the gospel, right? Like we've been asked and commanded all along to pray in unity for the gospel to go forward, for work to happen. And I know, and you know, and I think most of us have experienced those times when we prayed for somebody to be able to have their heart touched, to be able to accept the gospel. And that's powerful. And when we unite in prayer, it's exponentially more powerful. And I think the the thing that we need to take home is that this is a real thing. It's not so much about like like me sitting here thinking like, it's been a while since I testified to anybody that wasn't a member. That's a big part of it. I need to be better at that. But I also need to realize that I'm part of a team. We're all part of a team. And you quoted the scripture, right? Where Mm -hmm. the Lord spoke to us in in section one, collectively, Collectively. speaking to the church collectively, you together have the responsibility for pushing this work forward and you need to pray together and think together and fast together and work together on on making this happen. And so one of the big take-homes for me is like, you know, I don't think a lot collectively about really praying, pleading with the Lord in in conjunction with my brothers and sisters to really push the work of the gospel forward. And I think that's the first and most easy and most basic change that we need to have that then leads to a lot yeah. of the other ones. Because how often do we actually pray for those experiences? 
and we get them if we pray for them. But we then we, but then we, we cannot deny them. It can be so easy because all for all you know, the random experience is just like, heck, I've even had something similar when a coworker just says, yeah, like, oh, you want me to get you some coffee? And you're like, no, I'm fine. And you can either say, no, I'm fine, or you can easily let slip, like, no, I don't drink coffee. Boom. And then they might say, well, why don't you drink coffee? And you have these great discussions. Like I, I had a, uh, it's funny how almost like nervous I got as I kind of felt the spirit coming over me trying to figure out what to say, but it was weird. I had a boss of mine who was actually asking me about the, uh, the DC temple is, is pretty known in the DC community because it's, it's right next to the freeway. It sticks up out of the trees, you know, and he was asking me like, so what's the deal with like the temple, you, your guys temples instead? What's the deal there? And I felt like an idiot because I almost felt like I was dumbfounded because I was like, well, how do I explain this to him? I mean, yeah, I don't need to get into the endowment or initiatories or things. But I said like, well, you know, my wife and I were married in one of those and we actually believe marriages are, you know, eternal. That's an important thing. And I, But even there, I felt like I wasted a great opportunity to, to boldly kind of like testify. I still tried to sort of, uh, you know, sh- I don't want to say sugarcoat it, but, you know, make it what I felt would be palatable for someone who was a lay Catholic in this case, rather than simply saying, like, this is what it is, and it's something I really believe in, and I'm pumped about it. I might have tried to ease off and kind of tried to make it more, uh, you know, sure. m- mainstream accessible, if you will, or something like that. I know and, what you mean. And I learned a good lesson from that, because I feel like, no, I could have done better. I could have done better just being totally open about everything about it and what it actually means to me on that personal right. level, because that's the one thing. It's one thing to explain what the gospel is, and that's an easy thing to do. It's another thing to take that to a personal level and actually testify or moat what it actually means to someone and why it's important. Because otherwise, it's just an academic study about the church. You're, right? you're so right. And you know, you're so right. At the same time, though, I think one thing we can all do a lot better at, something I've been thinking a lot about lately, is speaking in terms that people can understand. Sure. Right? It's about being sure. personal, testifying powerfully, but also getting better at getting rid of our vernacular mm-hmm. and figuring out what concepts resonate with people. Right? And so when we talk about the temple, when we talk about tenets of our religion, and when we talk about the fact that we are the restored true church of Jesus Christ, we have to say it in a way that's bold, that's powerful, but then also uses words that somebody can understand. Yeah, right? exactly. that's, we have to learn how to speak someone else's language. And that's what an effective missionary, an effective communicator does. Mm-hmm. But as church members, we have a language. The rest of the world doesn't speak our language. Yeah. We got to speak their you language. You got to get away from the jargon. And if I can, okay, time. I only want to share one story. Stay- I promise I'm only going to share one story. Sharing anyway. is caring. But go this ahead. Is, was an important story to me because I was praying for an opportunity to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, wa- I knew I needed to, I wanted to. I went hiking. I went hiking. I get to the top of a mountain. I'm sitting on top of the mountain. There's another guy sitting on top of the mountain. The other guy sitting on top of the mountain is reading a Bible. We sit on top of the mountain in silence for a long time. Yeah. And as I leave, I ask him to take a picture of me and my companion, my fiance. And he takes a picture and I say, so you're reading the Bible? He's like, yeah. Where are you reading? And we talk about it and we talk about the Bible find out that this man is on top of a mountain on this spiritual journey. He's just quit his job and he's trying to find himself and he's trying to figure out what God wants him to do. And he's on top of a mountain with me. And I got to testify of the restored gospel. I mean, I got to, I got to tell him exactly what I thought and felt about what God wanted him to do. And then I walked off the mountain and that's a, was a pretty dramatic experience for me. But the yeah. point is that, that we all have different ways, right? We can operationalize this in so many ways, different ways that you find people and talk to people. And it's not about like little tricks, but the idea was that like one of the times when I had a sincere desire, I had a powerful opportunity to talk to somebody in the perfect moment. And that's generalizable to all of us. And that is just taught me, you know, it's not about what and when and where, it's about the fact that I wanted it. And if, mm-hmm. we, if we just ask for it, 
we can find it and uh and that's what we're expected to yeah. do to want I, it well yeah i mean because like this is in the scriptures how great will be your joy and that's something i firmly believe in so when i really sit there and ponder people i care about who don't know about the gospel or just don't incorporate it into into their lives i really think about like man how great would be my joy if these people i care about and respect came to understand what I've been lucky enough to be raised in my whole life. And that is, that is massive. And of course I experienced that on my mission, you know, to one degree or another. But, uh, I think it's even more important when we remember missionaries because m- more often than not, it's going to be people we already have relationships with. You build relationships as a missionary, but your relationship starts when you're a full-time missionary with the gospel discussion. And that's, that's the tie that binds basically f- yeah. for that purpose. We have a chance as member missionaries to take, relationships that we already have and elevate those to a different level. And I think there's so much more power in that. That's such a great point. You know, I mean, that's yeah. just, that's something that's, uh, uh, you're telling great stories, Dustin. That was, that was, that's really cool. You had that, uh, that mountain experience like that. Well, and I, and you see, you talk about joy. I was so happy. I mean, yeah. we, we walked down that mountain, both of us just like, you know, so happy about the opportunity. You were filled with to, the spirit. I'm sure. Just, too. Yeah. just to preach the gospel and, uh, and made me want it more. And, you know, and the lesson transitions to talking about full-time missionaries, which is good. And yeah. uh, and I hope you spend some time on that. It's interesting to think about too. So I have to give props. My little sister just went to the MTC in Mexico. I couldn't be more thrilled for. By her. By the way, did she go to that new MTC that used to be the high school? Yeah, she did. I have so mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings about that MTC, <laughs> but we can save that for another discussion. next episode. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so we all should serve missions definitely if we can. If we and can. I'm thrilled about everything that's happening to let more people serve missions, oh, like amazing. my little sister, who's going to be powerful powerful testifier and, and of the did truth. Did she want to go on a mission when she was 21 before they changed the age thing or was this really a catalyst when they dropped it to This was a catalyst. This was, this was a catalyst. It happened. She said, oh, dang, I'm doing this now. And that's what I'm saying. I can't wait. They've talked about the general surge in the number of missionaries. You know, now we're up past, what, 80,000 currently serving, which is a record for the church by far. Um, but I'd love to see the breakdown of how much of the growth there is among sister missionaries. Because I feel yeah. like there are many like your sisters who, you know, when they're 21, they might be like, yeah, maybe I'll go, but I've got other stuff going on. But at 19, it seems like so many more of them are saying like, let's do this. This is awesome. <laughs> let's share the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be awesome at it. Uh, sisters are way better than elders. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but but I think the question is, obviously, what are we doing about it, right? Yeah. And and I think, I mean, obviously, you can get into, again, a real discussion about we need to give more referrals, right? And like invite our friends and like all this stuff. And that's right. And that's true. But I think there's a lot of room for us to be creative in the ways we figure out to help the missionaries, right? Yeah. Whether it's stuff that we bring them along to, things we can in, invite them to. or Go even on just, exchanges with them yeah, if they like need just, it. Yeah, like just making yourself available, yeah. telling them that you're... And honestly... It's tough to be a missionary. Like you remember how tough it is to be a missionary oh, yeah. sometimes, oh, and yeah, you remember totally. the cool members that built you up, and those are the ones you remember for the rest of your life, for your whole life. Those awesome members and your wards, yeah. not just the ones yeah. that were cool and children with you, but the ones that helped you figure out how to be a better disciple of Christ exactly. because of the example they showed you, because they took you home teaching with them, because they cared about you, yeah. because they with you were trying to build the kingdom of God. Like that changes people, that changes missionaries. That's a role that we play. It's not yeah. just about dinner, and it's not just about referrals. It's about kind of figuring out the best way to work shoulder to shoulder and, and building up the kingdom in a certain place. And it's not just about referrals. But one thing I, I love, I think about this talk that Elder Bednar gave a couple of years back. I don't remember exactly which conference. But his exact remarks were discussing member missionary work. He said, you know, they are the teachers. And that's what a missionary is set apart to do, is to be an authorized representative of the church to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in there does it say you are also designated as a great, you know, a, a net, a finder, a this and that. 
Elder Bednar said, no, they're the teachers. We are the finders. And that's, and of course, we hear it all the time. But like Dustin said, it's not just about referrals. It's not just saying like, I know a guy. Let's go talk about it. It's just getting engaged with the missionaries. You know, that makes a huge difference. I mean, you see these wards that have success. They are wards that actually have an active relationship with the missionaries in their ward at one level or another where they're, just, where they're a part of the mix. They're not just uh, – because you've been in wards, I'm sure, either as a missionary or just lived somewhere, you know, when the missionaries were just kind of these – Outliers, these appendages. Kind of, they were just kind of guys. exactly. They're just kind yeah. of doing their thing, and you're like, "Yeah, I love them. They're doing a great job," and that's it. And no one else knows what they're up to, you know. So totally support your missionaries uh, in all those ways. I mean, it's and figure out the yeah. right way to do it for you. And I think, and I think that's awesome. And that segues into the really oh. awesome last point, which nurturing is nurturing new converts. Exactly. I can't begin. I mean, we're we're already running long on time, but uh, I can't begin to even discuss how important that is. I've seen so many people with firm testimonies. Just slip a bit and slip away. Well, because for one, they don't understand church bureaucracy and how stuff is, is supposed to be. And they're not fellowshiped exactly as they could be. And sometimes I think it gets hard. I think as members, maybe we get burned out. I've been in, when I lived in uh, Scotland, for example, they had a lot of baptisms in the ward, like tons. I'm not going to say they were all like prepared, I guess, so to speak. So in that sense, you had a ward where members, I think, were actually burned out. Like they had this attitude of, well, who's getting confirmed this week? And they basically expected people to go less active. But because of that, they didn't really try to engage the new people very often. So the new people, who'd they stick with? The missionaries. And you see this all the time when these new members just cling to the missionaries and there's not a clean handoff, I guess you could say, where the ward engages them and takes them in and because the missionaries aren't going to be around. you know. And you find those members who uh, get baptized and they're too reliant on their elders or their sisters. As soon as one of them gets transferred or something happens, a dynamic changes – and you see a lot of bad things happen. Not always, of course. I'm just speaking in generalities. But uh, no, you make such a great point. And it's you know, I mean, honestly, like sometimes it's tough, and sometimes it's tough to be friends with somebody with a totally different background from you, right? It takes some effort, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, but imagine how they're feeling. I mean, yeah. we don't know it. These people, these people, give things up, big things, to become members of the church. Something that's so everyday to us, but. Uh, and it, it takes be, a long time, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's taken, it's taken all of us a long time. It's taken us our whole lives to just start to like, get like, a little piece of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, right? To, to really start to figure out what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Like, we got to give other people like, a lot of time to do the same thing and, yeah. and help them out along the way and be okay when we slip up because we all slip up, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a little more obvious when you're brand new. And so I think, I mean, I think we're just really changing the paradigm and the way we approach and think about it and just making a little extra effort to be Make someone's that friend. Because really, I think we could all ask ourselves, if we see someone new get baptized in the ward, how many of us, and this is totally myself included, take the time, even if you don't know them, didn't know about their baptism or go to it, but how many of us take the time to like go up to them and just introduce ourselves and say, congratulations, awesome, you know, awesome choice, good job, great to meet you, just have a little chit chat. How many of us do that and how many of us just sit there and kind of sit there and sacrament me and say, cool. You know, somebody yeah. new here, but we never engage that individual. They need us to engage them big time. And and, and I think, but like, I'm I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But I think even more important is six months later when you call them and say, "Hey, come watch the game." Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, even more important than like, huh, like you know what I mean? Like the initial like like show of support is like you know really doing something at some point down the road when when the buzz is worn off and everybody else is forgotten. But you still know that somebody yeah. needs someone to hang on to. All right. Well, we got to finish up. Folks, thank you for listening to this wonderful lesson. Please find us on all the places where you find us. Dustin, thanks for being here. My pleasure. This is Sunday School Bonanza, Lesson 41. Every member a missionary, and we set a record for the longest Sunday School Bonanza ever. High five, guy. <laughs> all right. We're running out of space. Have a good day, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye.